we welcome you to the We Love Arabian Horses podcast. We host multiple opportunities to learn more about the Arabian horse, and we share the breed for horse lovers of all ages. We Love Arabian Horses is sponsored by Markel, the insurance company with Horse Sense. To learn more about the We Love Arabian Horses Foundation, please visit our website at weloveArabianHorses.com. Hello, this is Austin Garrett with the We Love Arabian Horses podcast. I have with me today Deb Woody here at the Scottsdale 2022 Arabian Horse Show. Good afternoon, Deb. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us today. Happy really, to be here. I'm really excited to, to talk through a few things with you. First and foremost, you are one of the representatives of our title sponsor in the Arabian uh, horse industry, Markel Insurance. Yes. And I wanted to, both for my benefit as well as for our listeners' benefit, get a better idea of what services are offered through Markel and how they might impact the average horse owner, farm owner, etc. person in the show ring. Absolutely, absolutely. Markel's a very proud to be a sponsor of your podcast, and we're um, happy to partner with We Love Arabian Horses and be part of the movement that spreads the word about how great our horses are. Um, so I'd love to, I'd love to give whatever information to the average horse owner that they might need. Absolutely, and we really appreciate you taking time out. You're showing horses here. Uh, I'm showing horses here, and so getting folks together at, at this horse show. It's a really special time, um, but I know it's uh, that your time is valuable, so let's jump in. There's a few different categories of insurance coverage that is offered by Markel. I kind of want to walk through those and get an idea of how they might be used by the average horse owner, the person who's out there showing horses, if somebody owns a farm or ranch, and, and, and how they might be able to best use Markel or, or any other equine insurance carrier, you know, I'm not going to be too biased here. Um, <laughs> well, I'm pretty biased. Markel <laughs> is um, one of the leading equine insurance agency in the nation. They are fabulous with their customer service, and I've been with them for 23 years now. So, um, so you're the right person to talk to. I'm a believer, <laughs> and I and I was a Markel insurance carrier before I became an agent. So I was a customer of theirs like the products and that's how i ended up becoming an agent in 2001 it's a lot easier to sell a product that you believe in absolutely absolutely uh, so i think when most people think of horse insurance they think of mortality so can you talk to me a little bit about how that works some of the additional supplemental pieces that you can add to equine mortality insurance and things like that sure so our base premiums our base policies are mortality policies that cover the individual for the value of the horse if it dies or has to be humanely euthanized. So in the event that a horse were to become injured and the vet have to put it down, the mortality policy would pay the face value of, of what they have the horse insured for. Once that is in place, then you can add endorsements that can include things like medical surgical or surgical only. Um, we have personal horse owners liability that is available. And also Markel's leading the industry in an equine essentials package that you can attach that has some pretty unique um, offerings with coverage for TAC and uh, borrowed TAC, things like emergency evacuation, which has never been offered in the marketplace before. And necropsy and burial. Very cool. 
I definitely want to talk about some of those equine essentials. So that's what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it's, it's nice to note that with the mortality policy, when you buy a mortality policy, it automatically comes with emergency colic surgery. So there's a certain amount of emergency colic surgery included, depending on what state you're in. It does vary a little bit from state to state, um, but that's automatic. And then the other things you can add on, kind of an a la carte menu. Got it. So before we jump into what I think is going to be the most fun thing to talk about, for the surgical-only edition, what difference does that change from your mortality versus the major medical that we talked about? So basically, surgical-only is just that. It's going to cover a surgery itself. Um, It wouldn't cover your diagnostics. It wouldn't cover any pre- or post-operative care. It covers the actual cost of the surgery if a horse goes under the knife, um, the anesthesia and the room and the doctor and that portion of it. So your major medical has coverages for the additional things, injury, illness, disease. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. On to more fun insurance topics. Uh Uh, (laughs) I'd like to know more about the sequine essentials edition. You mentioned an interesting uh, anecdote about tack renter, borrowed or owned. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little more about that? Yeah. So this is a this is really a breakthrough in the insurance industry, and this is the first year that Markel has offered it, and I believe that we're the only one in the industry that's offering Equine Essentials, and it covers your your owned tack, obviously with a deductible and limits to a certain extent. There are six different plans that you can choose from. So it can cover your tack if it's a $2,500 piece of tack that gets stolen or a $15,000 piece of tack that gets stolen. Um, and then it can, it'll also cover any tack that you've borrowed and have in your possession. So if you borrow your best friend's, you know, $1,000 dressage bridle and it gets stolen at a horse show, you have the ability to recoup that. So my worst nightmare of losing somebody else's tack... I'm going to say lose because mm-hmm. I assume the best in people right. would potentially be covered under under a supplemental edition like that. Correct. I think that that's really cool, especially when we think about the cost of, especially our show tack. I'm going to pick on the Western folks, right? Those are those are very expensive show saddles that they like, yes. and they're absolutely stunning. But I could, I'm I am worried about something that might be as expensive as a car being at a horse show unsupervised. Yes. <laughs> uh, Very I think that, true. Would, that, that gives me peace of mind that I wouldn't necessarily have. The evacuation piece, I said I was going to keep it light, but I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> the evacuation piece. So in the last few years, we have seen major efforts done during the California wildfires, wildfires up in the Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been a lot of fires, darn, haven't there? Yeah. Um, Flooding, flooding, in, flooding the, in the southeast. Flooding yeah. in the southeast was a, mm-hmm. was a major thing. And so when I'm thinking about evacuating a horse from a place, I'm thinking of natural disasters like that. Is, kind of, is that kind of what the uh, coverage is tailored towards? Correct. Got it. Correct. I just think that that's super interesting and, and really exciting. I live in Arizona, and I'm fortunate that we don't have very many natural disasters here. That's part of why I live here. But getting to some of those really awesome places especially I, I came from california i have a soft spot but that place likes to burn a lot mm-hmm. and i and having some peace of mind knowing that i can get my horses out 
course, I'm sure that Markel isn't going to get in there and haul them out ourselves, but being able to know that you're not going to be destitute just for saving your horses Correct. Uh, gives me a lot of peace of mind. When we're talking about the necropsy and burial side of it, can you tell me a little bit more about that as I'm thinking about how that would apply to sure. our horse person? So anytime a horse dies um, in your care under and they are insured, the insurance company is going to ask for that horse to be necropsied. So that's their protection of knowing that the horse died of a natural causes. And they like to know if it's, you know, an aneurysm or a heart attack or a broken leg or what, what has caused that horse's death. And um, for a lot of owners, having to pay for that, basically that service for the insurance company is, um, can be a little taxing. So this kind of helps allow the insurance company to get to the root cause of what the death was and help cover that expense. So it helps take a little bit of the pressure off of the owner, uh, especially when they're probably experienced one of the harder times in their life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. Am I missing any of the other services that, that you mentioned in the equine essentials additional? No, I think that's it. That's cool. I really like that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I try to be unbiased, but that that is something that I really like. <laughs> it, and it's a, and it's really affordable, and I encourage everybody that's insuring a horse to ask about it because it is um, it's a nice offering that a lot of people aren't aware of. Yeah, I think that that's awesome. There's a few other different types of insurance that Markel offers uh, geared towards horse owners. So if I'm thinking about something like farm and ranch, can you tell me a little more about that? Sure. The, the farm and ranch can come in a couple different ways. A lot of people that say own a, a farm and a barn, say decide to board some horses. Um, they can add a commercial equine liability policy to cover their boarding operation, or they want to have a trainer come in, same situation. That would be in addition to a homeowners that they already have. Um, or the other option is what we call an equine egg package that wraps the homeowners, the contents, the buildings, everything together with the commercial equine liability as one complete package. So as a homeowner, could I roll all of that insurance onto my mortgage the same way I do my homeowner's insurance? Um, like through an escrow company? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Personal one for me. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's some additional liability insurance. I don't want to go too much into liability because it's kind of self-explanatory, but can you tell me what liability offerings there are? Yeah, so as an endorsement to our mortality policy, we can add a personal horse owner's liability. There's trainer's insurance, instructor's insurance. They come as a commercial equine policy that can be tailored to the individual. And farrier coverage. Markel offers club insurance for... Um, equine horse clubs so your Arabian club in your local area can carry Markel club insurance so. that's really cool yeah awesome well I want to kind of wrap up the insurance portion of our discussion when we come back we're going to have a brief discussion about some of the interesting things happening here at the Scottsdale show and working western pen uh, as well as some other pieces. But before we close, is there anything else that you want to add on the Markel side of the conversation? 
all of our agents pick up a phone. Everybody's willing to talk to you. You don't have to talk to a, a computer or a machine. You get to talk to a person, which is always nice. And um, Operator. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're one of the most user-friendly companies out there. So. Well, I think that that's really neat. Well, thank you, Deb, and thank you to Markel uh, for being our major sponsor for the podcast. And I'm really excited to uh, get back here after the break. And we're back. Thanks for joining us, Deb. Uh, I've got with me Deb Woody here, uh, and we want to talk a little bit about the Working Western, what's new and exciting, as well as what's happening here at the Scottsdale Horse Show uh, here in 2022. Uh, so thank you again. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you. Scottsdale introduced a new class this year in the Working Western Division, Ranch Trail. It did. It did. And uh, the first year that it was offered was a huge hit. We had over 80 goes. Everybody seemed to really enjoy it. The courses were excellent. And I hope it just grows. It's going to grow. I'm really excited about it. Can you tell me about this class? For I, I suspect that I'm not the only person in this horse show that does not know anything about Ranch Trail. Uh, so can you tell us about it? Sure. So what we call a regular arena trail has morphed into a very technical sport and a lot of poles, a lot of counting strides, and really having um, uh, a horse that's highly tuned to um, almost like gymnastics, okay? Ranch trail takes us back to our roots, okay? It takes us back to almost what people remember trail was like in the 70s, where it's not uh, all about counting strides and about being technical. It's about truly doing obstacles that you could encounter on a real trail or on the ranch. So things like in, in this particular course, we had to ride into a chute, but it was made out of bales of hay. That's something that you would do on the farm. Um, we had to drag a log. So in the open division, you have a rope and you had to dally to your horn and you had to drag that log just like you would have maybe had to drag a cow to the fire in a branding. That is really interesting. And did that go off well? Well, yes, because I think most of the people that are participating have done it now for a couple of years in different venues, maybe not here at Scottsdale, but at different venues. And so they're, they're really finding the horses that fit this division and they're training them. They're training them really well. Yeah. I was having a conversation with Brian this morning about the incredible talent and work ethic of our of, of our trainers out there even if they're very specialized a well-trained horse is a well-trained horse absolutely well that's really exciting 80 goes on a first offering class especially in a working division right i think that it's easy to say get 80 halter horses entered in a new halter class i don't think it's that easy to do the uh to do that in a working uh division so yeah. That's yeah, it's, really exciting. It's growing and it's so popular and everybody's wanting to, to get be part of it. So, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, speaking of growing, I heard tell that there it, there were a lot of trail horses here this year. Yes, a lot of trail horses. We had one day with over 160 goes and we had trail like that. Somewhere between, well, 80 in the ranch, 160. Every day was over 100 goes. That's insanity to me. 
and as you're you were a, a nationally rated judge i am an aspiring judge one day maybe i might be able to um but to me judging that sounds extremely difficult so how do you go about judging something that's that big well it, it, it's a scored event so that makes it really easy you score each horse each maneuver that each horse does exactly as they do it and the the scores kind of place the class for you absolutely yeah. do you get breaks they let you sit down and eat and drink and stuff yeah <laughs> yeah they take lunch breaks and judges breaks can be called anytime you need one i like that yeah okay that makes me a little less petrified i don't think that anybody would want me judging their their trail horses but i'd like to make sure that i could yeah <laughs> In another working western division that is growing very quickly and I believe has the largest classes here at the horse show is the ranch riding. Ranch riding, mm-hmm. Since we last talked to you on the We Love Arabian Horses podcast, there have been some big changes to the ranch riding schedule, um, specifically with support from AHA. Yes. Um, AHA has seen the growth in this division and really embraced it. They... Uh, started last year in 2021 was the very first ranch horse championships that were held in Loveland, Colorado. And they have embraced all the classes that are still offered at U.S. nationals with new divisions, age divisions in some of the ranch riding classes. They added the ranch rail last year, which the classes were huge. So they've been in really, really in support and, and embracing the growth because that's um, been a real trend in our industry. Yeah, I have been seeing more and more ranch riding happening. I got to spend some time at the ranch riding pen here at Scottsdale last year. I got to watch ranch riding ranch rail at Region 7 last year, and those classes are absolutely huge. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more, and and we might be rehashing what you talked about with the, the podcast before, but can you tell me a little bit what they might be looking for in like a ranch rail class? Sure. Um, Ranch Rail is exactly that. It's a comparison class that the judge is looking at the horse that is most suitable for the ranch division for ranch work in general. So it's a horse with smooth ground covering gates, a happy demeanor, uh, a quiet and mannerly demeanor, a horse that is very efficient in what they do, um, that you could ride all day checking fence you could you know be comfortable on that horse for eight hours they don't want one that is um, unnaturally trained or overdone it wants to be happy in its job it's really appealing to people so it's really judging and and i'm gonna be i'm gonna sound a little bad here but it sounds like we're judging how practical it is to ride this horse around Mm -hmm. And how good this horse would be at riding around all day. Yes. And that is not at all what we judge in any other division. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is one of the reasons why it has become so popular so fast. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense because at the end of the day, our horses are supposed to be a pleasure to ride, right? Yep. And a Uh, using animal. And and something, you know, we, we used to pull our carriages. We used to do everything with horses. Now everything's been replaced with tractors and the like, but I really appreciate that we're looking backwards and understanding where we came from and doing our best to 
understand that we can still be there and we can still have horses that are practically useful in addition to, mm-hmm. uh, like I call pasture ornaments, right? Yeah. Um, so that makes that that gives me real joy. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything additional that I'm missing that's happening and exciting in the working Western space? Well, I think. Um... With Working Western growing, the other thing that's kind of been growing hand in hand with it is the performance halter. And um, I I want people to understand performance halter can be a ranch horse, a hunter, a Western horse. And you're seeing um, a lot of growth in that area as well, because that's something that kind of goes along with having a practical using horse. Um, So the growth in that, I think, kind of goes along with the growth in our working western division yeah i've seen it that way in my view i i agree that they've both been growing really quickly i think that the first year that performance halter was offered at u.s nationals there was something like 150 horses entered or something like that um and i think it was bigger last year it was I know that Performance Halter was growing very quickly at Scottsdale this year. I mm-hmm. heard that those classes were very large. Yep. If you don't mind getting into it a little bit with me, can you tell me about what is the difference between Performance Halter and what we describe as main ring halter? So the, the Performance Halter, again, is about evaluating the horse in its practical aspect. About it's, it's less about the vision of the Arabian horse beauty wise and more application wise and how that horse would function in its division so so it is it's a true form to function class yes in our in our main ring halter classes the horses are judged on their confirmation and their looks their beauty okay and you never really look at one and really know what it does for a living if it does something for a living where when you look at a performance halter class, you can almost go down the line and tell exactly what each horse does for a living, given their build and how they're presented. That one does Western. That one does Hunter. That's an English horse. Yep. And I don't know what that one does. So maybe it's not going to do so well. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you, and, and that's something that is unique because you wouldn't do that in a main ring halter class. You wouldn't look around the ring and know exactly what those horses were going to do. That's very true. I can I can, you would look I can at speak him and from say, experience in that one because yeah. that is my space. But yeah. but um, you would look at him and say, "Oh, isn't that one beautiful?" Yeah. But you you couldn't point out that one's going to do this for a living. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think that that's really cool, and I I like that. This has been a conversation in the halter arena for a long time about how do we make sure that horses that are bred to be performance horses are adequately representing what we're showing in in hand. And I personally personal opinion alert believe that the performance halter has been a great step to making sure that we are still breeding horses that are great at what they're meant to do Mm -hmm. horses with a job and horses that have purpose beyond being pretty out there in center ring as exciting as that is and i'm going to speak from again my own heart i love showing halter horses and i think it's a blast i've never shown a performance halter i don't have a horse for it right now but i think that maybe i will soon and as soon as i do uh, you can bet that you're going to see me out there if, it, if they let one of those main ring halter guys in, in the performance <laughs> halter class. Oh, yeah. I've seen him out there. Don't <laughs> worry. 
Well, Deb, I'm. thank you again. I cannot thank you enough for coming and spending time with me, taking time out of an incredibly busy show schedule, I'm sure. I'm happy to do it, Austin. I really appreciate it. And is there anything else before you go? Is there any way that folks can get a hold of you if they're looking to get in contact with you about anything we've talked about today? Insurance, working, Western disciplines, things like that. Absolutely. I carry my cell phone 90% of the time, 206-999-0121. And if I don't answer, I'm probably giving a lesson or writing or something. <laughs> but I try to get my messages all returned and my email. And you can find me on the Markel website. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll look forward to it. I'll make sure that I post your email on the episode description. Mm-hmm. And thank you again so much for sitting down with me. And I'm excited to uh, finish out this very exciting Scottsdale weekend with, with you and everybody else that's here. And luckily the weather's improved, so everybody's back to happy again. Bright and sunny in Scottsdale. (laughs) We only had one rainy day. Yep. Awesome. Thank you so much, Deb, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you, Austin. Thanks again for listening today, and watch for our upcoming podcasts. We Love Arabian Horses is an ambassador community that promotes Arabian horses with fellow horse lovers globally. If you loved this podcast and would like to hear more like it, make sure to subscribe to We Love Arabian Horses on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To share ideas for topics and guests with us, and to learn more about sponsorship opportunities, email us at hello at weloveArabianHorses.com. Thank you again for listening.